0: Welcome to Re-Review, where we watch movies from our past with a perspective from today. Your hosts are Matt, Bobby, and Austin, and we have an immense love for the films of our youth, so we're taking a look back to see if they still hold up. On this episode, we are discussing Short Circuit. It was released in 1986, directed by John Badham, starring Ali Sheedy, Steve Guttenberg, and Fisher Stevens. This movie tells the story of a sentient robot trying to survive in a human world. Now, this is a fair warning. we are spoiling a 36-year-old movie, so if you haven't seen it, we will be revealing key plot points. Uh, Matt gets to open up our discussion this week. So, Matt, what do you think of
1: Short Circuit? Um, well, I picked the movie. Um, it, I'm kind of a, a tech nerd at heart, so it being about robots and AI and stuff like that, this is probably one of the first movies I think I watched about AI. I can't say that I experienced Blade Runner growing up. That was probably something I watched much later in life. Um, I guess this was my kid-friendly uh, entrance into the AI robotics entrance, uh film category. I feel like that's a good entrance because you're right. I, I didn't really think about it from that perspective, but
0: the AI, I didn't understand it to be AI, but the idea of a
1: living robot, yeah, awesome. I guess that that's honestly probably something that you could debate about this movie is as the AI wasn't intended, was that just purely coincidence from you know the lightning strike in the movie or whatever and, it, and it's not ai it's actually something even more than that um but yeah i i have a fondness for this movie um watching it as a kid um it's a little bit before my time to have watched it in theater so i definitely probably watched this renting it from blockbuster most likely um
2: <laughs> i saw it in the theater
1: <laughs> i would have loved to see it in the theater And in, in hindsight this would have been an interesting movie to watch um i definitely wanted to go back and watch this movie because it's been a good while since i've seen it and i was very interested on how how it held up not just as a movie but from a technology point of view because it's very easy for movies about technology to become very out of date um and so i was very interested in seeing you know how it did hold up you know seeing You know, old PCBa boards. You know that did exist back in the '80s, and the size of resistors and capacitors, and all that other nerd stuff that's going on in the background. And strangely, it didn't really distract from it the same way that I think seeing like a block cell phone would. Um, Even seeing the old Macintosh didn't really pull away from it that I the way that I would think. Um, But it was it was interesting to see how the movie kind of uh, played out in comparison to how I remember it playing out and how pacing and stuff kind of played out. um, I actually kind of enjoyed watching it from that perspective. It definitely is not a perfect movie and there's a lot of acting issues as, as we watched it, that definitely stood out more, more than anything else. Um, But it was, it was pretty nice to watch after a while. It kind of, I was, I was a kid again there for a little bit.
0: The acting was very stiff.
1: It was, it was definitely very stiff. I think that especially considering that there's quite a few alumni from the police Academy franchise in, in this movie, it didn't have the, the fluidness to the comedy or, you know, the way that everything was kind of, it it was, it was very much almost being read off the script for the most part. There was very few Mm -hmm. moments that had a lot of, you know, character dynamic to it. Um, But, you know, it's a movie from the eighties and it's not necessarily like one of those top tier movies. Um, so I kind of forgave it and I just kind of enjoyed the ride for the most part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I understand that for, for me, the, the nostalgia hit was super high on this one in, in that way of reminiscing of being a kid, but also being very much reminded of, I guess I almost want to say like 80s perspectives. I think as soon as it started, I mentioned hearing that that TriStar sound, you know, for, for their fanfare that kicked in and just going, wow, I haven't heard this in such a long time. It's almost like a an audio clip that was so buried in the, my mind. If you asked me to recall it, I wouldn't have. But the minute I heard it, it was like I time traveled. So when you talk about seeing the technology and, and the pcb boards and and really me looking at the tactile buttons and those old keyboards and going oh i know exactly what that feels like and and thinking yeah i'm old <laughs> can't can't help getting <laughs> around it you know it's it, it, we saw old school encyclopedias we saw phone books being used i'm surprised <laughs> there wasn't a thomas guide at some point probably should have been <laughs> these things that you know were so physical in, in what today's world are is completely digital. You know, things are on phones and we don't even have to to think about it. That that nostalgia part of it was a really nice hit for me to just kind of be like, yeah, I came up in a different time and I'm cool with that. And if someone who's like only like 25 years old right now watches this film, they will have no idea. No idea probably of what's going on unless their parents are very good to them and taught them about a lot of this stuff.
2: Well, the context of it is very interesting because even if it's, if it's in like, kind of, you know, maybe like I'll say, even though like computing had been around really since like maybe the mid to late sixties, like it was still pretty much like the infancy. And there was a lot of questions about, okay, where can computing take us? And I think, you know, movies love to explore these kinds of things and, you know, they explore like, okay, like first thing we can think about is, you know, our own destruction. I think of, you know, Terminator and all sorts of other movies that paint computers as the bad guy. But I think it was really refreshing to see a movie where the computer wasn't the bad guy. And here's like, kind of like an optimistic utopian view on what could happen, you know, with artificial intelligence or smart computing and that kind of thing. And I really liked it, but I absolutely agree with you about the nostalgia factor. I mean, I really went back to a kid and it was I had kind of forgotten how much this movie maybe like I remembered because I was like, oh yeah, I remember this part and I remember the scene and then I can quote this line and I know what's about to come up and it some of the stuff I didn't remember, but I mean it was a little bit shocking about how much like this movie like stuck in my brain pretty Pretty vividly,
0: you do have me thinking. Maybe we should kind of look into this, and you might have an idea offhand. You know, of other movies where the idea of AI is
1: a positive thing.
0: <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> no, that's totally like when Bobby brought that up. That's that's honestly made me start really thinking. Like, it is a very interesting take on the subject of artificial intelligence and everything else. With the idea that you know, it, the most optimistic character in the movie was the AI. And, you know, the, the villains of the movie were humans through and through, whether it was, you know, the, uh, the CEO of the company or the, you know, the, the leader of the, the military, you know, segment of the company being, you know, the, you know, just the antagonist there, you know, just, you know, driving that part of the story. I don't think there's really been that many, you know, true robotic AI stories that have gone that direction. Yeah, it's kind of interesting
0: to think about because there's that element of uh, feeling really good about the character, Johnny Five, because of that result. Being like, wait, he's more human than the others, Uh, which uh, it was funny to see that Alaska Airlines ad that they threw in the middle. And one of the lines from it was "For, for the flight attendants, they're only human. I was like, wait, is this a real ad or did they do that for the movie?
2: I think that was a real ad.
0: That is a weird way to sell your, your, your flights. Um, How do, how do we feel this, you know, we've seen a lot of sci-fi design. How do we feel about uh, the
1: design of Johnny five? I still to this day, it's, it's a weird design where like, if I look at it um, in sections, some of it, I'm not a huge fan of, but overall, like I, I, if I could have a life-size Johnny five right here in the room or whatever, I would have one, like, I just, I've always loved the design. Like I get, it's kind of like that kind of grasshoppery, you know, very, it's it's definitely, and I guess this kind of maybe even plays into what we were just talking about. It he, he has human aspects to him. He has the two eyes. He has kind of like the little nose, the mouth area, but he's not traditionally like a humanoid looking robot. A lot of movies that we get, you know, later on with like, you know, AI and, um, you know, a few of the other ones where we do have the good guy robots, they, they, they just make them look human, right? Mm -hmm. um and even the ones you know going back to like star wars or c3po you know it's still very humanoid whereas this design is utilitarian first and it kind of is away from it far enough that you know it's almost kind of weird how it you know um it kind of worked and obviously a later iteration that i i personally think was inspired by this movie i don't know if there's ever been any confirmation is like wally
0: For sure. Very, Mm -hmm. very
1: much the same kind of concept, you know, treads and everything else. And even like the mannerisms and, you know, just that upbeat bubble, bubbly personality kind of thing. So
2: it was really interesting that it had like the flaps that kind of worked as eyebrows. And it kind of gave the whole like animation look of like, okay, if the flaps went down, it was angry or if they went up, it was surprised, you know? And then it was interesting how, in the very beginning of the movie it showed where, it kind of had like camera irises as eyes. And it was really interesting how um it, when it really went down, it was the, the irises are really small, but then when the, when the aperture opened, it went really wide and it's like, Oh, when they're really wide, which was the status it's, it had for most of the movie where it was kind of like, Oh, the big eyes are kind of like, you know, childlike and, you know, it was like, um, super eight the movie where like oh the 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 alien creature like all of a sudden it has the big eyes and it's like oh this is just a child and it did have a lot of childlike features even though it was like initially designed to be like a robot and then or like a a fighter robot like a a war machine and then um but it did have like the glowing red eyes with a laser when it was in like battle mode
0: I think what helped, too, is just the application of sound, the, the voice acting, and, you know, progressing from the, you know, need input to getting so much input that you started getting the comedy coming from the robot to help with those emotions. Yes, the eyebrows are huge to kind of convey that, but they tied in the audio, I think, very well to really buy you into. I actually like this character,
1: and it's the reason you want one standing, a life-size one standing in your home. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny talking about that, you know, if you really think about like the progress of the, of Johnny five, number five as a character, you know, you get the, the initial um, voice that's very computer, very monotone of the other units, you know, before he gets hit by the lightning. And then even then afterwards, you know, obviously the modulation, everything changes to being almost, you know, like, you know, a cat or a dog or something it's, or even like a baby or whatever, where it's, Mm -hmm. it sounds, there's no real words yet. And it it naturally progresses. He's, you know, even with him saying like, you know, need input and stuff like that, it it progresses. And then he gets, you know, the actual, you know, input with, with the encyclopedias and the dictionaries and everything and the access to TV and now actually get, you know, the growth of his language and you, it actually progresses even further. So even though he gets access to that, he still doesn't have... Completely coherent sentences—they're still just broken up, you know. You know, disassemble, dead, or whatever. Like, so it's still broken. Mm -hmm. And as it progresses through the movie, he gets to the point where it—it's you know indistinguishable from just someone normally speaking.
0: Yeah, it's it. It was nice to kind of walk through that progression because it was like you were growing up with the character on screen as it goes through all these steps. And again, with it being accidental AI, you know, (laughs) from the story perspective it was all about Johnny. And I think this could flip us over to talk about the human actors at this point um, who were there to really serve, serve lifting him up in a sense to, to ensure that we were enjoying what was happening around the robot. And they tended to all kind of be a little bit of fodder to kind of just push the story along.
1: Yeah. And I, maybe this is the, at least from my point of view, the, the aspect that I think they probably could have used a little bit of work, especially considering like watching it now after a while, like there's the aspect that I, you know, you could have had Steve Gutenberg's character, um, new and Crosby explore a little bit further. And they kind of, they did in the, in the desert sequence, right. When, when it was just the two of them, it's just the idea of like, how do you prove that you're that you're living like yeah you could easily go well, if you have a heartbeat or whatever that's living but beyond that like how do you prove that you're like sentient how do you prove that you're unique and all this other stuff and i feel like maybe they could have had his character push back a little bit on that like throughout the story i feel like them kind of cramming the love story in they could have probably taken those couple of minutes and little tidbits out and kind of flushed his character out a little bit better as far as like his denial of johnny five being alive And made that more of even an existential crisis for him, that somehow it being alive would almost challenge his worldview. And when he did finally come to accept it, that that, you know, that would have been his arc, right? Like, I I feel like it was rather than arc, it was just kind of swooped up kind of thing like yeah
0: you're right because mm-hmm. I feel like what you're mentioning is so much of it was about almost challenging my world view as the viewer as the person watching the film the constant reminder that you know this thing is is alive and it's something we should care about and and especially from uh, the Stephanie Speck character trying to really drill that in That's probably why they made her uh, a, I want to say an animal activist no just a, someone who owns a lot of pets a lot of pets yeah <laughs> to to be like her someone who cares about life, therefore it makes sense that she recognizes life in the in the still metal object. Um but
1: I think I lost where I was going with that. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but that that makes sense. That's actually that's one of the things that I personally like about, you know, I'll never say this the script is a hundred percent solid script, but that's that's how you set up characters, right? You establish mm-hmm why she would be willing to go this far for what she perceived at first to be an alien um, and to go out of her way. Once she realized that he was more, cause she did switch. She flipped um, mm-hmm. from he's an alien. I want to, you know, let's be friends to, Oh, you're just a robot. And her, she very much reflected that mentality until she herself realized that he was alive and then flipped back. in that caring nature that obviously, she, and you know, just inhabited from all the animals that she took care of and maybe even like in her, the kind of job that she did and the kind of people that are around her, like representative of what she was trying to do. And that's how you write good characters as you establish that and mm-hmm. that's part of their character. It's not like she's just some blind trusting person who just happens to be there when he lands. There is a reason why she she does progress through the story that way. So that's that was good writing for a character.
2: Yeah, I liked that about her. Character, even though the acting was stiff, yeah. But okay. <laughs> well, what, what's interesting is, I mean, Steve gutenberg who was basically like the darling of the '80s, and like, you know, I I would think was at the pinnacle, you know, like, and was a real like box office driver, you know, because like I look at this and I think, oh, like, you know, I kind of like miss his persona a little bit. I think like I just look at his face and I think, oh, this is gonna be funny. And then I, I, you know, I like I like Ali Sheedy a lot, you know, and I, I think that you know she's been another good stuff, and I think that she has like, um, you know, like a cadence to her too, and so I, 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 I did like the cast of this, and then some of the other characters, you know, like they had been in, like they're like the real character actors who had really been in stuff before. And All right, so
0: I guess I could lead us into the elephant into the room, elephant in the room. Uh, Fisher Stevens as Ben Jibituya. I'm looking here. Um, unexpected. You, you, you. Before we watched Bobby, you mentioned it, and I think I, this was yeah. completely gone from my mind that this was even a thing. And talk about the nostalgia trip going back to the '80s. Um, I'll be the first to admit I did not know this was not an Indian actor playing an Indian character. What's going on there?
2: I honestly didn't re- recognize it either, but it knowing the context behind it, it brings up a lot of questions to me. Like, why did they do that? Obviously, there's a very dubious history with, you know, the whole... Groups being marginalized and villainized. It is, it and, is
0: kind of bonkers to know yeah. that this is brownface all these years later. I'm going, wow, this is kind of nuts. Um the character itself, outside of trying to just be the quirky IT person, like what did the character Ben even do? It was I mean it
1: was it,
2: comic relief.
1: It was purely comic relief. And as far as like my cause I, I also did not know that he was not an Indian actor growing up, or even uh, it very recently that I found out that that was the case. Um, I think that that aspect of it completely bad. And I think the other part that kind of, ha- you know, tied into and um, not being very great is uh, the same thing that's happened with like Simpsons with the poo is it the very stereotypical quote unquote, you know, Indian portrayal or whatever mm-hmm. from, you know, the, the obviously Ah, uh, with the accent and with the, um, the actual like the the misconstrued, uh you know idioms and stuff like that that was used throughout um, the script and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the, I the, think
2: like, the English as a second language was very often used as a comedy tool.
1: Yeah, and I, I you know it's one of those questions that I think that you know you would have to ask the people involved like why the decision was made. Um, From the director, you know, casting and even the actor himself, you know, was, was it, did it come from a malicious place? You know, were they doing it um, to be malicious? Was it something that um, at the time, at least they didn't think was necessarily a bad thing? Was it, you know, a case of them going out and they couldn't find an Indian actor for it, which I don't believe was the case or was it just purely you know, the eighties where, you know what I, I, I just have a hard time. Cause like there are movies like, you know, coming to America, right. Mm-hmm. Where you have Eddie Murphy's mm-hmm. character playing, you know, a Jewish man. So yeah. very, very much, you know, race switching in that case. I don't, when I see that at the very least in my mind, when I watch it, I don't necessarily see it coming from a negative place. Like they're trying to be, you know, quote unquote hurtful with it. And I don't necessarily See it here, except for the fact that it's just so hit you in the face with the stereotypes that it's it I I just don't know what they were thinking at the time. I I I don't know if it's one of those cases where somebody's like, Oh, it was the time, you know, in the 80s everyone was just being every other race or something, you know. So I think what we're looking for, maybe there's there's an old DVD,
0: you know, pre pre HD that has behind the scenes. Maybe there's something we could
1: find out somewhere why they did this some commentary track somewhere that we could listen to. And like there, there's got like somewhere there's an apology on there or an explanation is like, listen, we actually hired somebody else and he like quit on the day and we just grabbed the nearest comedian who could do an accent.
2: (laughs) The actor actor did end up apologizing publicly. Mm.
0: Well, OK, let's let's flip it then. You know, we, we know we've got some problems. There's even some problematic jokes, so I'm, I'm not even going to bring those up. Um, the Let's say it's a, you know, God, it's 2022. You want to remake? You want to remake Short Circuit? What are we doing with that? Do we want it? How much CGI is going to be in it? <laughs> Yeah,
2: no, I mean, that, no. that's the thing. One of the things that I really enjoy about this movie, and it can even be extended to all sorts of movies from the 80s and, you know, even even earlier in, is that, you know, I think for me particularly, like, one of the things that I think about when a movie these days is when I see something really amazing on screen, I just think, like, oh, that's cool CGI, But what's really awesome about movies that are, you know, from the 80s or 90s or earlier, it took like basic puppetry or physical models or some kind of movie magic situation to get these things to work. And even when you were talking about like the stilted dialogue, I wonder even if that's a byproduct of like having a puppet or remote control car or whatever this thing was like be one of the main characters it's like i'm sure being on set that day was like okay let's try to get this puppet moved from point a to point b oop missed it okay take two oop missed it take three okay like now it's time to shake hands with a robot or a puppet you know i mean like there's a very very technical aspect to this that you know, I'm sure was in the making of that, that kind of stuff like shows like in some of the, some of the tricks, you know, you could see as they go and like cutting around a bit and some of it goes out, but I mean, there's, there's a really bit of a heart to see like this thing that's tangible and not animated to me.
0: Oh, it makes a difference. I, I be the, I think we questioned the entire time going, how did they do that?
2: Yeah, you know, absolutely. What,
0: what did they do in this part? What did they do? Right. in you know, another part, and, and there was some point where um, Ali Sheedy's character Stephanie's talking to to Johnny Five, and
1: and I kept thinking, "Wow, today that would be a tennis ball." Oh no, without a doubt, that'd be a tennis ball, or it'd be Andy Serkis in like a mocap suit, right? Like, and mm-hmm. if, okay, the technology... if there's anyone who could do the robot. <laughs> <laughs> no, for no, and you know, to be honest, like I wouldn't be completely against the idea. I don't think that this is the kind of franchise that. I would like to see a remake for. And the main reason why is probably because of Johnny five, as far as the way that they did it, because with the exception of a few shots, I feel like they, they got it right. Like it, it didn't look bad. It it looked fluid. It, you know, sometimes I'll see a movie and I'll be okay. Well, they could have done it better. Like if it's like an old, like, you know, dinosaur being hand animated with step, you know, stop motion. And then you get Jurassic park. Right. And that's when you get like the, you know, the advancement in technology. I don't think seeing a CG Johnny five, would work in that aspect and i very much think of like the robocop remake as a result i'm like mm-hmm. that, a whole bunch of other stuff aside like the way that he looked in a dude and i know you know the actor hated it and the stunt people hated being in that suit but it still worked much better than what you put a guy in a mocap suit or whatever mm-hmm. it just doesn't translate the same way on film and i think that'd be the same case you're like you could probably build a much better world around johnny 5 in a modern remake I think you get much better actors. You could probably delve a little bit deeper into some of the, you know uh, you know, more thought provoking aspects of the movie definitely do better on casting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I can very much see like, uh, uh, what was it? Like uh, was it Raj from like big bang theory or somebody, mm-hmm. you know, being cast in a role, maybe yeah, even, even sure. flip it. Maybe he's the Steve Gutenberg character instead. Maybe he's actually the lead of it rather than just being the quirky sidekick character. You actually put him front and center. Maybe that would work a little bit better, but I don't want to see a CG Johnny five outside of him falling off stuff or, you know, something where you don't want to damage your expensive, you know? Oh,
0: I feel like it's, I'd want them to call on Boston
1: dynamics or something and be like, let's make this thing for real, please. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there are guys from there that probably could quote this movie as the reason why they got into that industry. So That's very true. I'll do a little memory thing here. Cause I didn't recall this. You
0: know, they played the song at a point who was asking who's Johnny. And so I already knew that that was meant for Johnny five, but I totally forgot he named himself at the end of the movie.
2: I didn't remember that either.
1: I, I, I and I think I said it during, you know, while we were watching. I thought it had ha- happened earlier, but while we were watching, I, I think my next thought was like was did this I I'm not that much of a music aficionado, so I can't say, but like did this song exist prior to the movie and they put it mm-hmm. in there? Or cuz like the lyrics were very much in tune with kind of the yep. plot of the story and his character. So I'm like did they just come up with the song? They just went to an 80s star at the time. like, "Hey, we need this song." You know, I know Huey Lewis probably wasn't available, but you know, some, somebody was <laughs> available at the Huey time. <laughs>
0: All right, so I'll ask uh, Matt. What do you tell them? What do you tell them the people? Should they watch this?
1: Yeah, I think so. I you know, it. Don't don't sit there thinking it's going to be a masterpiece, but you're probably going to enjoy it, um, especially if you've haven't seen it in a while and you enjoyed it as a kid. I think it's going to be a nice, you know blast of the past for you
0: Bobby
2: yeah I agree I mean I thought it was delightful I mean it was it was funny like it was it was obviously like over the top ridiculous with some of the comedy but I mean I I enjoyed the lightheartedness of it good good family entertainment
0: for most, you know, for most of it for most of it for a few parts um yeah i the tv edit
2: for my daughter
0: <laughs> the nostalgia trip is is definitely there again the callbacks of things that i as I, what i mentioned with three stooges who knows about three stooges anymore i mean that's even you know things i learned from cartoons that that was a callback to to that existing so seeing those type of things is uh it's nice it kind of makes you feel like you're at home and i think being geeks and and tech nerds it definitely hits all those buttons of everything that you loved about you know technology and and the hope for it you know it was not the detrimental dystopian ai hey, is here to take us down it was actually like yeah this is why i want a robot in my house this these are the reasons you want those things so uh, i definitely think for me it's 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 a watch as well so as always thank you all for listening and remember life is not a malfunction